All right, so yeah, we're gonna do another Q and A uh, live stream, but uh, yeah, the topic is also gonna be mostly about um, metabolic autophagy because uh, it's been about right about like two years since I released the, the book, and uh, yeah, I think it's a really uh, important book, at least for me, and uh, one of uh, one of the best books about the topic, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, <laughs> in my unbiased opinion. But yeah, uh, we'll wait a little bit for more for people to join in. Uh, but in the meanwhile, we'll also uh, talk a little bit about uh, what's going on. Uh, the ecology says you 100k subs and not much in live. <laughs> well. I've been a little bit busy over the past uh, few uh, weeks and months, just uh, doing a lot um, in terms of uh, creating another book <laughs> with uh, Dr. James uh, Di Nicola Antonio, which is, I think is also going to be an amazing book. Really, we actually crossed like 4,000 references as well, uh, and uh, it's not even done yet. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah, it's going to be a really good one. Uh, but this uh, stream is going to be mostly about metabolic autophagy, which is, you know, about intermittent fasting and that sort of thing. I will screen share from my blog uh, as well. Or oh, yeah, from my blog, I actually last year when it was um, one year anniversary of the book, then we uh, I made like an update basically about the research of uh, what is what is going on with the research about autophagy and innovative fasting, and I made a, like a blog post. I will also put it basically in the chat. For you to check out, um, but uh, yeah, I'll do it right away. We'll talk about some of the uh, things in there because uh, although it's been like another year since this update was released, uh, I haven't changed my mind a lot about um, you know I haven't made any additional updates to this update. <laughs> Uh, but uh, basically because you know there hasn't been that much uh, new research and uh, most of it has been something uh, that uh, has supported the main ideas of the book as well so yeah maybe some of the basics you know what is autophagy autophagy itself is a pretty uh, you, you know ubiquitous uh, phenomena of the body it's not like a thing it's not something that, like a pack it's you know the main image people use uh, to describe autophagy is like it's like a pac-man that you know eats uh, junk material, but it's not like that. It's a more of a process that is governed by many, you know, cell particles and uh, other processes. So it's not like a thing that you can, you know, find and identify. It's a very, uh, it's a very uh, more complex than that, and it's also more involved with uh, more things than just that. It's uh, involved in, um, you know, it's involved in the cell cleanup. It's but it's also involved in. Um, like uh, cell signaling, and it's gonna does have some other aspects in in terms of that. So it's a very uh, intrinsic part of healthy cell functioning, and uh, yeah, like uh, the main kind of benefits that you get from autophagy tends to do with just a better health and uh, longevity. So it is has like a anti aging effect in in essence. Uh, but of course, um, you know, there's all, all also the kind of uh, the poison makes the dose it's not always good all the time uh, it's uh, something that needs to be taken in the right amounts uh, as well as in the right context and it does have uh, quite some negative side effects as well uh, but yeah in the in the in the, in the, uh, 
the uh, in the article I write that yeah, in my opinion, like one of the best things to do for your longevity is to do both some aspects of this time sheet eating as well as with resistance training because um, uh, you're getting the best of both worlds uh, when you're doing that. You're getting the kind of the catabolic benefits that you get from uh, this some intermittent fasting uh, and autophagy, but you also get the anabolic benefits of uh, like muscle growth and uh, muscle building because muscle is very vital for longevity and um, and uh, like generally if you're very old then it's hard for you to like maintain muscle mass and it's also you see this very rapid decline in functional in functionality uh, the older you get because of uh, this de decreased muscle mass and uh, this will increase like your risk of diabetes it will increase the risk of uh, insulin resistance cardiovascular disease and uh, also like increases the risk of hip fractures osteoporosis and uh, those sort of things uh, so doing some resist resistance training and building muscle uh, is uh, just like a good like insurance <laughs> against aging uh, because you have better um, basically fitness and uh, yeah but the you know the the two things fasting and resistance training they tend to be like the opposites of each other you can't really build muscle if you are fasting at least like in the particular moment of the fast in the particular moment of the fast your body is breaking down and recycling itself whereas with the muscle growth uh, happens when you're eating and uh, nourishing yourself so you have to find this balance between uh, doing these things and um, it, like just confining your eating window in some aspects is just a great way to achieve the benefit and uh, how long you should fast you know depends a lot on your general like yeah like your goals but also like your uh, levels of physical activity so the more physically active you are the kind of the shorter you need to fast or you you can't fast for that long if you're like very super active and you have a bunch of muscle mass um, because you're gonna just um, you know start to lose it eventually and yeah, I think uh, with a uh, one thing I did maybe uh, one of the kind of uh, idea or the thoughts that I figured out was that um, you don't really need to fast for that long to get like the benefits of autophagy or that you need to uh, go on these very super long fasts all the time to uh, you know live longer or something <laughs> because uh, chances are you may actually or at least like for most people uh, or people who aren't like very specialized <laughs> they're not like pros in intermittent fasting they tend to uh, overdo it or they don't they're not, they're not compensating for the things that happens during the fast so you know while you're fasting your metabolic rate will drop eventually or at least like this longer fast like three to five day fasts uh, at that time your metabolic rate will drop your muscle mass will decline and uh, your strength will decline in short term uh, and if you don't like compensate for it with adequate nutrition afterwards then uh, you may find yourself in a worse spot than you be than you began with so that's why like most people i think uh, would benefit for more of a, like a regular consistent this uh, time eating schedule uh, of fasting for maybe like 16 or 80 hours every day and then um, you know every once in a while maybe having a slightly longer fast but it shouldn't be like the kind of a staple idea because that's one of the biggest mis misconceptions about autophagy that in order to get autophagy you need to fast for like three to five days uh, in order for it to first begin well that's not really the case because um, you know autophagy can be turned on by many other things as well and stressors like exercise itself turns on autophagy and in fact like uh, exercise can turn on autophagy even faster than fasting uh, because of the intensity of the physiological stress and uh, and uh, the exertion is much higher in the particular moment as you're exercising so your body ramps up autophagy much more during the exercise session itself uh, but the only difference is that uh, it kind of drops down after you stop the exercise because you're you know stopping stopping the exertion um, so in order to uh, 
increase or prolong the benefits, then you can also implement this a little bit of uh, time sheet eating. And of course, there's some other things as well that do it. Um, saunas, cold, and even, you know, coffee, polyphenols. Uh, so it, with coffee, there's also like this mixed bag of feelings people have. There's um, die-hard coffee fans, but there's also die-hard coffee haters, <laughs> which, uh, which, one, which tribe you uh, choose. And uh, yeah, I, I think personally, yeah, I think uh, the most of the research does show that the coffee is actually more beneficial than the potential negative side effects. And you know, the negative side effects don't happen to everyone, not all the time, and not in every situation. So uh, yeah, Gener generally, co coffee is a good booster of, of autophagy and the benefits of the fast. Um, but you, yeah, you don't, you shouldn't let overdo it for sure. Well. What did I figure out, or what did I update uh, one year after the um, initial launch of the book? Well, I think one thing is pretty sure is that you know intermittent fasting is a like a slightly more sustainable and effective way of um, increasing longevity than calorie restriction, just calorie restriction, because uh, so far over the past few decades it has been kind of the gold standard idea that calorie restriction is the yeah one of the basically the only ways we know to extend lifespan. But there are many studies that show that the intermittent fasting mimics the effects of the calorie restriction uh, in terms of the li lifespan and longevity. And um, you know, even like the uh, I had Mark Matson on my podcast a year ago, and uh, he is one of the kind of main researchers of this of intermittent fasting, a very renowned scientist. And he said that uh, actually the most of the uh, most of the studies that do calorie restriction on these mice and rodents are actually also time-restricted feeding studies because uh, in order to achieve that calorie deficit, they will, you know, eat less often. They will feed the mice uh, less frequently. So they're already doing some uh, time-restricted eating uh, with the ca calorie restriction. But um, so it, which one is it? Like, you know, both of them are very beneficial, but I think the innovative fasting... Uh, kind of mimics the effects of calorie restriction so you don't necessarily need to let's say starve yourself <laughs> for the rest of your life all the time because imagine if you are uh, you're told that uh, yeah in order to live longer you have to eat tw 20 to 30 percent fewer calories for the rest of your life which you know in practice means that you have to eat about uh, a quarter of a less um, every meal <laughs> so i think most people don't want to hear about it and uh, they even if they did know it they would just ignore it because um, you know People like to eat, and people aren't willing to give up on uh, on, on food. So uh, just you know, you can eat the same. The, the main message of the innovative fasting is that you can eat basically the same amount of food, uh, but uh, you do it in a smaller time frame, and uh, as a result of that, you will be able to mimic or achieve those same effects as you would with you as you would if you were to do um, uh, calorie restriction. And uh, of course, you can mess it up. Like if you eat too many calories, then the uh, surplus of calories is going to negate the benefits of the uh, intermittent fasting. But essentially, in the fastest state, your body is ramping up this autophagy process and other processes uh, that happen also during calorie restriction. But you experience them in a in a more enhanced uh, manner because the stress itself, uh, the physiological stress of fasting, is greater than you were to be doing this uh, calorie restriction. Uh, and yeah, like I personally do, um, in, in like in, in, if you compa compare weight loss, then uh, calorie restriction is still <laughs> more important uh, for weight loss. But uh, what I'm talking about at the moment is the uh, pure longevity effects that uh, tend to happen. And at least like that's what the research has shown, that fasting mimics 
the effects of calorie restriction on the longevity pathways of the body. Um, but I think, yeah, like you, you would want to do both in some aspects if you are like trying to promote longevity. Another, another misconception, in my opinion, would be the protein restriction that uh, that the protein you also need to restrict your protein intake in order to live longer, um, because protein is like this growth nutrient promotes growth and uh, promotes this promotes like the growth of all like malignant cells and cancer cells but also just speeds of aging because you're growing too fast uh, but uh, that is also not really true it's a, like a relatively big myth because uh, if you're comparing uh, let's say calorie restriction with protein restriction then uh, you still need to have like some aspects of calorie restriction in order for the protein restriction to work because if you eat uh, if you eat too many calories, if you eat only like pure sugar, <laughs> which has little to no protein, uh, but you're gaining weight from it, you're getting fat, you're getting diabetic, <laughs> you're eating the standard American diet, which is low, low protein uh, and high in calories and high in fat, then you're still going to die sooner. You're still going to get sick sooner because of the excess calories, the calorie surplus. So uh, yeah, like, there's no... Um, restricting protein has more negative side effects uh, than uh, the benefits because... Uh, uh, restricting protein will uh, reduce your muscle mass. It will make you. It will just uh, you know make you more frail. You're weaker. You're uh, you're more frail. You're yeah like you're because of the lower muscle mass. You're also at a higher risk of all the chronic diseases. So uh, yeah, the benefits of protein restriction aren't worth it um, as long as you're as long as you're still you know not overeating calories. And um, moving on, maybe a little bit. Actually, one interesting thing with about autophagy is that um, some studies find that the um, some aspects of autophagy helps to protect against uh, like this muscle loss, uh, which is uh, age-related muscle loss called sarcopenia. And uh, kind of the idea is that because of fasting is this catabolic stress, your body becomes tougher as a result of that, um, and kind of also eliminates, let's say, this um, broken mitochondria and and bats junk cell material that will spread inflammation and damage your healthy muscle cells. And, you know, one, one key characteristic of aging is senescence, uh, which is senescence is uh, basically like zombie cells uh, that uh, are, you know, not, they're not functional. Uh, they're, you know, basically dead almost, but they're like zombie cells that's just, they're still around and they spread this inflammation and oxidative stress that damages nearby cells. And you have like this bunch of uh, senescent cells around, then your own, you know, muscle cells and uh, other vital, vital cells are also more prone to damage. And with autophagy, with, you know, exercise or autophagy from whatever form it comes from, whether that exercise or uh, fasting, it will kind of protect against the muscle loss or sarcopenia because your, you know, muscle cells and other cells will be healthy for longer. But of course, like too much autophagy will still uh, damage the muscle cells and uh, break down your body. Uh, it's a still good idea to practice some semi-calorie restriction most of the time and uh, and then preferably refeed rather than eat the surplus of calories all the time. Uh, in terms of like ketosis and uh, and uh, carb cycling, then I do believe that a um, better thing would be some cyclical ketosis uh, because, you know, ketosis does also have like longevity boosting benefits. Um, First of all, it uh, suppresses insulin and IGF-1 signaling, which have been found to be linked with uh, accelerated aging and, you know, just uh, d diseases. So it kind of manages this 
uh, it's also uh, has like less oxidative stress on the body, less inflammation, and uh, uh, the ketone body beta hydroxybutyrate also suppresses uh, histone D acetylases called HTACs, which are also linked with all aging. So that is why ketosis is a good kind of complementary thing uh, for um, like j just facilitating better better aging. But if you do it chronically, then it can also lead to problems. Uh, like you may get like low thyroid from it. You may uh, you may develop some food insensitivities. Uh, there's also things you know the thing that uh, you may get like this insulin resistance, uh, or your your body becomes very poor at managing its own not not its own blood sugar, but managing uh, uh, carbohydrates uh, because you're in very chronic ketosis all the time and your body eventually loses this ability so doing it cyclically kind of is just a, is a way to prevent that from happening and ensures that you still uh, enable or allow your body to um, do both and that is where I think um, the benefits come from that you do this metabolic flexibility type of thing and you don't want to be doing this uh, high fat high carb diet <laughs> uh, because uh, you know, that is the recipe for obesity and overeating, but it also causes this insulin resistance to the body and uh, causes more oxidative stress. So the, the standard American diet is French fries, which is basically, you know, oil, <laughs> oil and potatoes. And that is the worst combo, in my opinion. Uh, if you do were to be eat carbs, then you would want to do it in this cyclical manner that you eat carbs, but you eat less fat with that. Or if you eat uh, you know, keto, high fat, then you eat low carbs. So you never want to be combining them together, together uh, because of the said reasons. And uh, that is where the cyclical ketosis kind of falls falls in quite nicely as well, uh, because you're you're still able to eat both the carbs and fats, but you do it uh, at different times. And how often you do the carb refeeds and things that depends a lot also like on individuals um, and your like your training load and your goals. Uh, I personally think that once a week is, uh, you know, enough. You don't need to be doing it more often than that. Uh, but and and you also you may also do it for like months. Uh, there's no like real problem with that to be on keto like for five, six months, seven months. You just have to be uh, more careful as you transition out of that. And uh, like in theory, there's nothing really wrong about being in chronic ketosis all the time. But the problem is that if you accidentally eat some carbs after breaking that ketosis, then uh, your body is still in this uh, mild insulin resistant state uh, because of having not consumed any ca carbs uh, for a long time. And your body is just uh, has, a, has a hard time at dealing with uh, the blood sugar uh, and your blood sugar may stay elevated for longer. Uh, you know, there's in, in the short term, there's no like real problem. Uh, it may cause like some damage to the blood vessels because of this massive blood sugar spike. It may also, uh, yeah, cause like glycation more as a result of that. But um, ideally, you you would want to um, introduce the carbs slowly if you're doing you know ketosis for a long period of time as a way to gradually re recondition your body to handle the carbs and the glucose and insulin. Uh, and yeah, like the high protein diet with intermittent fasting would be a good thing uh, for like muscle growth as well and body composition, but it's also just better in lo for longevity, I think, because uh, because of the protection against sarcopenia and stuff. Uh, but yeah, you can check out the full full article um, in the, I think it was in the, um, I'll drop it in the chat once more. 
so you can check it out. But yeah, I also had uh, David Sinclair on my podcast. I think it was like yeah, like a, more than a year ago, and he has also this epigenetic theory, or he his theory is the information theory of aging, but which is based upon uh, Steve Horvath's uh, epigenetic clock theory of aging, and which is based on DNA methylation, and uh, he has posited that you know DNA methylation is a good status of epigenetic and biological age which I have actually measured as well, which was uh, my DNA was the test. I also have a video about it. And uh, like I was 25 when I took the test and the, the results were that I was 16. <laughs> so my DNA methylation age is uh, 16. Uh, it's been like a, maybe like a year since I took the test. But uh, yeah, I think the, it's, it's a funny thing about that uh, because uh, mm, the, the DNA age actually uh, I can show you the uh, graph about it because um, if I find it but essentially the younger you are the faster you age uh, which is uh, you know in your er first few uh, first few um, you know years or like your teenage years around like 20s that's where you're aging the most and your teen years are you're aging very rapidly because you're you know imagine what's the difference between a newborn who is three months old and like a 17 year old person it's like a huge difference like the, the amount of growth that happens in that uh, short 17 year period is huge like how many changes like they're basically they're basically in a new body every year almost or like you know yeah like they're constantly changing their physical appearance is changing all the time so the mass the amount of changes that happens in that short early time period is huge compared to someone who is 20 years old and 40 years old like there are some differences but they're still relatively similar or like a better example would be like a 30 year old and a 50 year old it's a 20 year span difference but they're not like hugely different people they have like slightly different facial structures. They maybe have more a little more wrinkles. Uh, they may be more, you know, adult. But uh, generally, they're still adults. <laughs> Both of them are adults compared to like a newborn and a teenager who is going through like several uh, several um, periods of growth uh, all at once. So uh, in in theory, like my uh, D my DNA methylation age should be higher the younger I am because of uh, this growth sprout period that happens in this first uh, few first two decades of life and uh, it should slow down and it does it does show that it slows down around 25 or so uh, so that is where you could see that uh, your lifestyle may have like a basically basic or like uh, <laughs> the better way to describe it would be that um, doing the test at a younger age would show uh, how fast you're aging more accurately than doing the tests in your 30s because uh, this difference that if you're already aging very fast in your 20s then it does show that you are aging faster <laughs> than you should be but if you're aging slowly then that's a, that's a good sign but uh, if you're doing the test in your 30s then the the, the uh, like the error the amount of error that could happen is much smaller if that makes sense <laughs> which is a ramble I maybe should do like a video about it a separate video but yeah the, it's a it's another like a definite thing it's one of the it is considered one of the more accurate uh, kind of um, 
tests out there at the moment, but it's not like the super accurate or the <laughs> it's not 100% accurate. Um, in 2019, there was also this, um, yeah, the review by Mark Metzen, who I talked about, and he did this big review on intermittent fasting, and he says in that that the intermittent fasting works not only because of weight loss, but it just also has these other additional unique benefits that activates these defense systems, uh, such as like autophagy, NRF2, glutathione increases, and others. Like most of the longevity pathways or longevity genes in the body, such as like uh, sirtuins and foxoproteins tend to increase uh, with fasting. Um, NAD is also pretty interesting and important thing for uh, longevity. Like as you get old, yeah, I haven't heard like many people talk about this. Uh, basically no one <laughs> hasn't talked about this, but uh, the, uh, what happens with aging is that your uh, circadian, circa circadian rhythms become more desynchronized and they become more damaged. And uh, this de um, misaligned circadian rhythms are associated with many diseases and just uh, aging itself. Uh, but uh, intermittent fasting has been shown to, or not intermittent fasting itself, but increasing NAD levels has been shown to protect against this uh, negative trend that happens with aging. So your circadian rhythms maintain their robustness as you get older because of this NAD. NAD is, a, NAD is involved with the sirtuins and uh, circadian rhythms. So having high NAD levels with, with age uh, protects against the damaged circadian rhythms that happens with aging. And uh, fasting is one of the ways to increase NAD but it's also, you know, the, the amount of NAD you get from food converted from nutrients like um, niacin and others, or tryptophan, and tryptophan and niacin is very small. It's, I think uh, Dr. Mercola said that only about like less than 10% of the NAD that your body produces comes from the food that you eat. And almost like 90% of it comes from the resalvage pathway, which is recycled. Uh, I can show you a graph, which you should have from my book, uh, Stronger by Stress. And uh, it does show the NAD pathway of the recycle. Let me find it, if I can find it. And um, the main idea is that uh, most of the, there you go, pull it up here. Uh, all right, that's an Estonian translation. Oops, sorry. <laughs> Let's take it then. There's the English one. All right. So this is basically NAD, what you want. <laughs> and these are the pathways that create NAD. Uh, so price, price under pathway is the one that you use uh, nicotinic acid uh, or you know, f f from food you get nicotinic acid, which goes eventually into NAD. There's the de novo biosynthesis pathway, which uses niacin and tryptophan through the uh, citric acid cycle, gets into NAD. But there's the salvage pathway, which is you know the predominant one, which is the where m most of the NAD produced gets uh, uh, happened. And uh, there's nicotinamide from food, uh, but NAMPT. NAMPT is the key enzyme that is in the 
in the salvage pathway that needs to work in order for the salvage pathway to work. And um, the NAMPT is uh, connected to the circadian rhythms. So if your circadian rhythms are basically messed up, um, then uh, the NAMPT pathway isn't going to work. And uh, therefore, you know, the cell, most of the salvage pathway is also discarded, basically. So you're losing out on the vast majority of the NAD that you could have because of this messed up circadian rhythms. And uh, having the circadian rhythms aligned keeps this thing uh, working and, you know, allows the entire salvage pathway to also work. And things like uh, exercise and fasting will also promote NAMPT uh, because of turning on another pathway called AMPK and uh, AMPK is like a stressor stressor response system basically so it gets turned on by physiological stressors and uh, exercise and fasting or saunas and those things uh, promote this thing and they also then help to recycle NAD let's put it over here but that's another also like a video that I could do about so inflammation Inflammation is one of the biggest uh, consumers of NAD and uh, it uh, turns on and NAD inflammation uh, destroys NAD through an NAD consuming enzyme called CD38 and uh, basically yeah like if you're very inflamed you're eating the standard American diet you're also sleep deprived and you're exposed to maybe some environmental toxins pollutants things then your inflammation is high and you're basically burning through your NAD by keeping CD38 upregulated. So yeah, the more inflammation you have, the less NAD you're going to end up having. So uh, managing inflammation is important and you know, fasting can also manage inflammation quite nicely, lower inflammation and uh, as a result increase NAD. Uh, so yeah, as I said, autophagy is involved with many other things besides just, <laughs> besides just uh, cleaning up cells. So it's involved in insulin resistance. Uh, heart disease, atherosclerosis, inflammation, immune system, neurodegeneration, gut health, removes age the pigments or lipofuscin, uh, fatty liver. So yeah, and there's many different types of autophagy as well. Macrotophagy, microtophagy, mitophagy, lipophagy, xenophagy, pixophagy, agrophagy, <laughs> all the phages. <laughs> I think yeah, there's like maybe 20 types of autophagy. Uh, so it's, which is pretty funny. Mm. We talked about the circadian rhythms. Yeah, certain ones. So yeah, that is basically the overview. Um, yeah, check it out. Um, metabolic topology is the picture. But uh, I also had like a giveaway which we'll like, do at the end of this uh, stream. So we'll pick some questions and things. So I'll do like a I'll ask a question from the chat and uh, the per first person who gets it correctly is going to get just a free copy of uh, the book uh, which we'll, I'll send out uh, but yeah let's do some uh, questions we had we had a super chat from Space99Yak <laughs> who is a regular in the house uh, have you researched methylene blue does it work uh, well I do know a little bit about methylene blue um, one of the only th one of the only supplements I've tried it with is the Troscriptions, uh, which is the blue tongue, uh, basically uh, pastille that you put into your mouth, and it uh, has methylene blue in it, and I think it's nicotine as well, and it's supposed to be like a nootropic, 
Uh, I did, maybe I did notice like a little bit of a sharper mind when I took it. I took it maybe like a year, maybe two years ago even. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's generally um, supposed to have like a nootropic benefit. But uh, I think there's some like I, I, it's also antiviral, so it has antiviral effects. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, then it's supposed to like I don't know help to produce more ATP. Um, especially if you're like exposed to the sun, <laughs> so it's like a photosynthetic agent. I'm not sure if like uh, it's 100% accurate, but that's what I've heard. I don't know like that much about it, but uh, generally I, the transcriptions are pretty funny. Like you get this blue tongue, and uh, yeah, the, uh, they're like uh, Dr. Ted Ashikoso is the one who is uh, w one of the w formulators of that. So yeah, he's a smart guy. So if he if he believe he has he has an IQ of like 200 or something <laughs> and he has multiple PhDs. So if he says that, he's, that it has some benefits, then uh, it probably does have a little bit. Greetings from Snowy Tallinn. Well, uh, greetings back to you from uh, Sarama, <laughs> which is also snowy, a ton of snow. Is there an ideal number of hours to fast for a safaji? Um Well, that depends a lot also on the person and like uh, what did they do before. So generally uh, you would need to like fast for about uh, like depend generally like let's take an like, average person who doesn't do any like special biohacks and who's like a not really fit person then for them yeah they, they would need to fast for maybe like two to three days to get to this like optimal autophagy state uh, but that's because of their like overeating they're also uh, sick already and uh, they're not like doing any like real exertion so like more like let's say fitter people who are doing regular exercise they're not overeating their semi-lean or some they're not like at least obese then for them they can't see autophagy happening um, even within like you know 24 hours um, or if they like do some exercise or they take a sauna or they jump into an ice bath they will get it into faster and um, yeah it depends on where you're starting from but how much is optimal how long you should try to do it that also depends on your goal so yeah like if you're like you've been like very physically active for the past, past few days, then uh, the amount should be shorter for you. But if you're like, uh, yeah, like maybe you're sick or something, you have diabetes or you have some like, like gut issues or maybe then for you, it can be longer. Uh, but generally I would say that the, on a daily basis, most people sh shoot fast for like at least like 14 to 16 hours. That would like the bare mi minimal um, to get like this daily upregulation of autophagy and uh, I don't think you need to do like one meal a day or OMAD it it's one meal a day is not like the optimal way of going about it I think um, but it's just something that you may prefer so like maybe like 16 hours is generally something good good rule of thumb um, if you're interested in that I appreciate your content. I feel significantly better and continuing to improve myself. Well, that's <laughs> good to hear. Sounds good. So yeah, like all these things you have to kind of try out and um, it's all mostly like experiment thing, figuring out what works for you and uh, especially when it comes to, you know, fasting and things. So there's no like real one-size-fits-all solution, uh, one size fits all solution to um, innovative fasting. I'm addicted to fasting, lol. <laughs> oh my, it changed my life. <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, 
uh, like yeah, like uh, initially, um, it may be like slightly uncomfortable at first, uh, but yeah, like after a while, you get quite used to it, and it feels pretty pretty good. Uh, so there are like maybe some things that could make. I have like actually an article about it uh, that I that I made, but I haven't made a video about it. About can you become addicted to fasting? And in there I do talk about. Uh, there we go. Let me share it. So are you addicted to you know fasting? <laughs> Is fasting addictive? So. You know, there's many reasons why it can be you get addicted to it's eating. It's you know saves time, it saves money, saves energy, saves willpower. Uh, you can also eat larger meals, and skipping them isn't that hard. It's relatively easy to create a calorie deficit without feeling like you're starving. Uh, energy levels and brain functioning stay stable throughout the day. Your health and biomarkers tend to get better quite rapidly. It feels very liberating and gives you a sense of freedom. So, and all those benefits make you feel that you don't want to stop. It almost feels like an addiction, <laughs> and especially like if you're doing like a longer fast, then sometimes, it, from my own experience, if I do like a three-day fast or something, five-day fast, then uh, do, doing the end part of the fast, you're like in this very semi-blissful state, or like you really don't care about anything. You have like no problems, like you're you haven't eaten for days, but there's no like, I don't know, like you're not really really worried about uh, the state of the world or something. You're just kind of a semi-blissful blissful state. Uh, but yeah, you know, I think the fasting has uh, this effect on the brain that promotes like, you know, neurogenesis, it promotes BDNF, which has been found to, or it, do it does uh, regulate mood and uh, motivation levels. And uh, so, yeah, it does have like this effect on your addiction <laughs> to fasting. But at the same time, like the fasting can be also something that... Uh, helps to overcome some addictions because of your like detaching yourself from the food and you're detaching yourself from the addiction. So the pro problem with addiction is that you're in the loop, you're in the vicious cycle of being addicted. And if you're in the cycle, then it's almost impossible to get out of it because like the, mo it's, you know, the momentum, uh, you know, <laughs> thermodyn like a uh, Newton's first law, I think uh, was something that like that, that, that an ob object stays in motion uh, as long as it comes into contact with something else and uh, if you are in the loop of addiction then uh, it's hard to break it and fasting is just a way to break the cycle and get out of it for a moment so that you can regain your like your conscious control and start thinking about um, what, what the hell am I doing <laughs> how many hours of fasting is needed to achieve the effects of calorie restriction what is uh, yeah so well, you know, calorie restriction usually depends on like what's the goal of that. If you're doing calorie restriction for weight loss, then uh, you still need to be in a calorie deficit, and for that, you know, fasting isn't isn't gonna, isn't gonna override it. You still need to do a calorie restriction and calorie deficit with intermittent fasting. But when it comes to like the longevity things, then uh, you know, I think the uh, the increased lifespan in the animal studies happens when you eat a calorie deficit of like twenty to thirty percent. And you do it for you know months and years, <laughs> but uh, generally for for fasting to mimic that effects, uh, I think you know, because there's no like real studies about it. Uh, but uh, in my in my opinion, it would be mm, you would have to do like some t time restricted eating also on like a daily basis or something. 
water lemon breaks autophagy. Um, I don't think so. Like it, the there's not like that much. Uh, there's almost like no calories in the wa lemon water, and uh, unless you like do like lemon juice or something, but even then you would have to be consuming a bunch of <laughs> lemon juice. So generally, there's not like real worries about that. David Sinclair and other doctors always always talking about mTOR. Uh, yeah, like that's that's uh, one of the um, misconceptions, in my opinion, that um, mTOR is the growth switch that promotes growth and muscle growth, but it also promotes you know cancerous growth if it's turned on all the time or in excess, and it also accelerates aging because of that if it's turned on all the time. Uh, but the difference is also that if you turn off mTOR, <laughs> then you will see this uh, slow deterioration in muscle mass. And like I said, if you lose your muscle mass, then you're at a higher risk of osteoporosis and hip fractures. Uh, you're frail, you're weak, um, and that sort of thing. So it's not not generally worth it, uh, in my opinion, to try to restrict um, or like deliberately suppress mTOR. Like there may be some restriction of mTOR is a good idea every once in a while, uh, but not chronically. So you you would want to be eating like um, plenty of protein to uh, enable yourself to maintain muscle mass, especially the older you get. The older you are, the more kind of, um, the generally the more protein you tend to need from your diet. If you're young, then you can get away with uh, like a lower protein diet. But if you're older, then um, your body is um, not able to build muscle that easily. So you kind of have to compensate for that with slightly increased protein intake. What range of protein do you recommend? Um, well, uh, I think uh, the the like the RDA is about like f zero point four grams per pound of uh, body weight, which is um, pretty low. Uh, I, w I would say that like the, uh, the and the upper threshold for muscle growth has been seen to be at uh, one point zero grams per pound of body weight. So uh, I would say like. 0.7 to 1.0 is a good thing um, if you're like physically active if you're working out then like 1.8 to 1.0 is the optimal range if you're working out regularly if you're not working out then for you you maybe get away with a 0.6 grams per pound of body weight uh, but i wouldn't i wouldn't really go for like 0.4 uh, because a higher protein diet is uh, even good if you're not working out uh, because um, you, you're burning more calories you eat pro protein and it's also more satiating and more filling. So higher protein diets almost always do better in terms of um, weight loss and uh, like adherence. And if you do lose weight, then you will also see an improvement in your like biomarkers because like I think uh, body composition is one of the uh, one of the biggest kind of contributors to your overall uh, biomarkers as well. Uh, what about eating 30 to 50 carbs, 30 to 30 grams carbs on OMAD? Well, uh, 30 to 50 grams of carbs is uh, pretty low, so you can even stay in ketosis with that um, if you're like physically active, so I, I don't really have a problem with that. Um, Alan Williamson with a super chat, cheers, awesome work. Thanks. <laughs> Okay, let's pick another question. 
is there an effective way to control your appetite? Uh, well, um, maybe, yeah, like, I think uh, there are many things that can help you to eat less and control your appetite, control your hunger. One of them would be, um, you know, eat, if you do eat, then eat like a higher protein meal and some fiber, fiber and vegetables. Those are generally the most satiating foods, like just fiber, fiber and uh, protein. <laughs> and uh, those fill you up quite nicely. Then there's also like, you know, Mm, you maybe you may be like dehydrated water is important for uh, preventing hunger uh, but it may not be like satiating itself so maybe adding like a little bit of salt to the water is also something that can really really satiate you it's almost like soup <laughs> it's like prison soup uh, and uh, yeah coffee or tea can do that as well Uh, what's your teeth care regime? Do you use any soaps or deodorant? Uh, not really. Like, well, <laughs> I do use soap and uh, I do use, uh, you know, shampoos and those things. So I don't uh, go uh, primal. I don't go primal in terms of my uh, hygiene. Um, I uh, do use. I don't have like any specific uh, routine for that. I do try to maybe if I. Uh, tr I try to avoid like the m conventional, like the worst of the worst shampoos, the mo regular shampoos, and to try to find some like natural products. But not really, I don't really worry that much about it, um, because like that's that's one of my only exposures to those things. Like I don't have, um, I don't wear makeup, so that's that's well, that's a big win in terms of uh, exposure to like all the chemicals and things. Uh, I don't put them on my uh, face uh, nor my skin, so. If I do get like a little bit of uh, these, um, you know, chemicals and uh, stuff uh, from like shampoos or soaps or you know, shower gel, then it's not a big deal. And uh, of course, like regular soap itself, like a fat-based soap, uh, that is you're perfectly natural, unless it is like a chemical soap or something. Uh, with my teeth, um, uh, I just I brush my teeth. Um, I don't, I don't, um, I don't, uh, yeah. I don't have like any, I don't use mouthwash, uh, I don't have, I don't do the, um, what is it, flossing, I do just a regular, <laughs> regular toothbrush. Uh, best type of exercise to get huge muscles and shred it. <laughs> get jacked as they would say, uh, but I think uh, the barbell exercises are probably the best uh, or the fastest way to uh, get there or even like dumbbells, whatever it is, like just the main compound lifts of uh, squats, bench, deadlift, uh, barbell rows, pull-ups, uh, shoulder press, those tend to be the biggest ones. Um, what I've seen in my experience is that um, you know, like the amount of muscle mass you tend to have is almost like uh, in correlation with how heavy you can lift, so you need to get stronger. And if you focus on getting stronger in these uh, lifts, these main compound exercises, then you will inevitably see like an increase in muscle mass uh, from that. And uh, some exercises enable you to load more weight uh, than others. So for example, you can lo load more weight on the uh, barbell bench press than you can do with the dumbbells. And as a result of that, I do think that the barbell bench, pr bench press is also just better for the like muscle mass of the chest because you get 
uh, more weight on there. And for the back, like deadlift, you can deadlift like a huge amount of weight um, compared to pull-ups. Pull-ups are amazing for back development, but I think deadlifts for like mass, <laughs> back mass um, is uh, better because your, the amount of weight is much greater from a deadlift. Like you can you can do like a double or triple triple body weight uh, deadlift. Um, and for shredded, well, being shredded is uh, mostly like a diet thing. You can be shredded on any kind of exercise, and and not by not even doing any exercise. Uh, so you need to generally do like a calorie deficit, and uh, you don't really need to change your like your exercise routine um, if you're like dieting down or trying to lose weight. You may. Uh, you may find it more difficult to maintain your like your strength if you get like leaner and as you lose weight because you're gets you know you're not eating that many calories you're in an energy deficit and it's harder. Uh, but I think uh, you shouldn't uh, avoid still the heavy uh, lifts if you're trying to get shredded uh, because uh, you know you're at a calorie deficit you're losing losing some muscle mass inevitably and to maintain that muscle mass you need some signal from your exercise to say that okay you need to have the muscle mass uh, you need to be strong and you need to maintain it so uh, losing a bunch of weight without exercise makes you lose more uh, muscle mass uh, because of uh, not exercising especially resistance training so if you do cardio in a calorie deficit then you're gonna lose a bunch of muscle mass because you're not doing resistance training so yeah resistance training and uh, heavy strength exercises are uh, even more important if you're like dieting and uh, losing weight. Does fasting cause muscle loss? Uh, well, yes and no. So you do lose muscle in the or like you're in a catabolic state of muscle protein breakdown in the in the fasted state, uh, but you don't uh, inevitably have to lose muscle if you uh, like eat enough calories afterwards or eat enough protein and you're exercising. Uh, so it's a matter of yeah, like what you're doing during the fast and what you're doing afterwards. Who's your favorite people in the health space? Example, Jason Fung, Gabriel Leon, Paul Saladino, etc. Um, yeah, I think. Uh, well, I think uh, the two of the two of the b smartest people I think in terms of nutrition are uh, Dr. James Danigal Antonio and uh, Chris Masterjohn. I think those are two of the smartest people in, in, in the nutrition or like health space, at least like in nutrition space, uh, because yeah, both of them are like encyclopedias. <laughs> they know a, a whole lot and uh, like uh, James uh, reads a ton of research. He's a, like editor in a British Medical Journal and uh, Chris is just a PhD uh, and, you know, <laughs> and he knows a lot, a lot as well. He knows a lot about the biochemistry and the physiology. And I think uh, James knows a little bit more about the research or like you know the clinical trials and that sort of thing but both of them are my like smartest uh, people i think uh, eating nice meat like fatty beef and chicken eat lots of good meats and healthy non-bread carbs like potatoes baked of course and healthy carbs is best eat lots of meat and carbs <laughs> um yeah well i think uh, you shouldn't eat uh, like fatty meat with carbs so you don't want to be eating bacon with potatoes, <laughs> in my opinion, because of the in the, in the earlier uh, earlier part of the live stream I talked about that if you do eat 
uh, if you do eat carbs, then keep it like relatively lower fat, and the protein should be still higher. Like if you do eat carbs, then the protein should be still slightly higher. Uh, does coffee with cream break a fast? I've heard mixed opinions. Uh, well, it does break some fast, uh, but not all. And uh, whether or not it matters is also a different question. So. Mm. Generally, it does give you calories and kind of shift you from a fed state or from a fasted state into a fed one, but because of its uh, being in like more higher fat, and then uh, you're not going to s uh, directly stop the process of autophagy. But at the same time, like a uh, cream is a uh, dairy, and uh, dairy is uh, like promotes a more IGF one than other types of foods because it's a growth food, it makes you grow. And uh, IGF-1 is uh, like the antagonist of autophagy. So maybe like too much cream is definitely, or too much milk <laughs> would be bad, but maybe like a dash, a little splash, uh, is not going to be a huge problem. Uh, what do you think about uh, protein shakes and bars? I think uh, they're pretty good, or they can be a good replacement for... Uh, you know, protein intake, if you're having a hard time uh, getting protein from whole foods, um, if you're, like, I wouldn't use them if you're not working out. Um, so I would use them only if you're, like, working out, because then your body would need, like, a higher protein intake. And, uh, yeah, it depends also, like, how your body reacts. Like, if you get some digestive problems from, like, whey protein or something, then you may, maybe, maybe you need to change the protein source, like, maybe pea protein or um, hemp protein or something that is generally less allergenic than whey. Uh, but yeah, I personally use uh, whey protein uh, during my workouts. So yeah, it's going to help to promote like muscle protein synthesis and prevent the muscle protein breakdown. Uh, well, the bars, um, yeah, the bars can also be uh, some mixed, uh, mixed feelings about it. Like, yeah, they can be a good, like a healthy dessert, basically, that they don't have a bunch of sugar and uh, they don't have it depends on the bar, but you know, like most of the protein bars are better, you know, better for you than a Snickers bar, <laughs> uh, because they're higher in protein and generally less in calories. Uh, but uh, some of them can also have like this, um, like you know, I don't know, bad sweeteners and uh, that you know cause bloating and those things for some people. So you have to kind of be aware of that. Uh, Sarah Sapien with a super chat, high seamers. <laughs> well, yeah, hello, and uh, is these starting to get to the end of it? But yeah, if you have any questions, then uh, feel free to ask. Um, I wonder when lifting could electrical massaging muscle improve development? Uh, are you talking about the um, electrical muscle stimulation or the, you know, pulsation devices? Um, well, I, th I do uh, have used them, the um, EMS, uh, electrical muscle stimulation, uh, it um, does, it's not going to make you build muscle, <laughs> I think, so because it's the not that big of a stimulus for that. Uh, it can help to maybe teach yourself to connect to a particular muscle of knowing how does it fire, um, and it can also help with recovery. Like, I, w I would use those devices uh, primarily for recovery because um, your... Uh, 
you know, st stimulate, you know, like promoting blood flow in that region, you're also keeping it active to a little bit. So like active recovery is a good thing uh, for like speeding up re re recovery because um, you're getting the nutrients in their blood in there and you're keeping it moving. Um, so, but it's you do, if you're trying to do it for recovery, then you shouldn't do it for like too intense. But it uh, doesn't necessarily make you build muscle. For that, you still need to like again slightly heavier load, heavier resistance. Uh, In your opinion, after donating blood, I do it fasted, will the loss of hemoglobin protein trigger the body to start to scavenge amino acids, i.e. autophagy? Uh, that's a good question. I think um, it shouldn't, um, because I think the uh, hemoglobin isn't going to affect autophagy. Um, I think it shouldn't. Because, uh, yeah, because hemoglobin isn't like a, isn't like the same amino acid or isn't the protein <laughs> the same way as um, like leucine is. Have you paired any vitamins or exercise for optimal long fasting for autophagy and weight loss? Uh, well. Uh, I ha I haven't I usually don't take like a bunch of supplements if I'm like doing a long fast. I may take like some magnesium uh or something like that. Or yeah, that that would be something that I would take maybe for like relaxation and sleep. Uh, but for exercise, I ha yeah, yeah, I've done some exercise like I don't go like crazy on it. I don't think you sh you need to do like a he real heavy workout if you're fasting. Um I'll do usually some maybe you know, like some resistance bands or um, some push-ups and uh, that sort of thing if I were to be working out on a fast eight, Or if I'm like traveling, then um, taking the stairs or like, you know, walking up a hill can be like a workout uh, if it's like a really big hill sometimes. Um, especially if you're like tr carrying big bags. So yeah, like <laughs> when I'm traveling, then I usually carry my bags with me. So it's like a good workout. <laughs> And uh, makes it harder, so that's all. That's why I get like a good, um, good stimulation from that, like a sufficient stimulation uh, to prevent this uh, muscle loss. Uh, is eating one protein better than eating three different types of proteins at the same time for digestion? Mm. Depends on yeah the protein. If you're eating like animal protein, it shouldn't affect. Uh, the absorption and uh, digestion. Like if you're eating steak, fish, and eggs in one meal, then it shouldn't be a problem. It might be like if you're eating, uh, if you're eating like uh, like some uh, animal protein with plant protein together, then it may cause some uh, at least like some of the uh, some of the phytates and uh, phytonutrients in, let's say, beans or legumes uh, would help t would uh, reduce the absorption of. Uh, some of the nutrients in the protein of like meat, like iron or copper, things like that. But um, yeah, if you eat like um, let's say a whey protein with 
steak and uh, some eggs, then you may get like some bad digestion because of uh, the whey and uh, maybe like too much sulfur from the whey and uh, the eggs. So you may get some like digestive problems with that. But uh, yeah, like if you eat like only animal protein, the whole foods animal protein, then it shouldn't be a problem. And if you're eating like primarily only plant proteins, well, well, like to get a, like a full amino acid spectrum, then they say that you need to combine beans with rice. Uh, but you know, rice isn't a protein source; it's a carbs basically. But yeah, like if you if you were to combine it, then you would get like a better amino acid profile. I would really appreciate your opinion on dry fasting. Uh, well, dry fasting uh, can can be it can have some benefits. Uh, generally, the rep the claimed benefits have to do with that it speeds up autophagy and it essentially uh, yeah speeds up the process of what happens during a fast and it's therefore you get bigger bang for a buck from shorter time uh, and there is some truth to that it can happen like dehydration uh, does suppress mTOR which will then you know enable autophagy to happen uh, but uh, it can also it like doesn't really matter <laughs> that much at the end of the day like uh, depends on like unless you're going for like a really long dry fast then it shouldn't be like a, a huge difference and even then like um, is it the long fast that is giving the benefits or is it dehydration like if it's hard if it's hard for you to fast uh, because of doing a dry fasted then uh, you may quit <laughs> sooner than uh, you plan to so it's a, like a, depends uh, I personally uh, think that uh, you know, chronic dehydration is probably not a good idea, or it's definitely not a good idea. Or and chronic dry, it's like at least it's not like necessary. You don't need to do it. Um, you don't need to do dry fasting to get autophagy, and you don't need to do dry fasting to stay healthy. Like uh, there are a lot of people who do it, especially in in Muslim countries, uh, but uh, it's not like a it's not like mandatory to uh, be optimally healthy. There's also one of the healthiest people in the world. Uh, you know, one of the fittest people in the world, they don't do any of this, uh, the dry fasting. <laughs> and the same applies to the fasting. Like some people who are very healthy and fit, they do intermittent fasting, but some of them don't. So it's not like that it has to be a part of um, like your routine. It can be definitely something that helps. Uh, it can be definitely something that works for you. It can be definitely something that um, makes it more convenient and also something to like, yeah, like mimic the calorie restriction. Uh, what are the negatives of the COVID uh, vaccine? Will you take it? <laughs> um, well, I'm not gonna, I think uh, by the time, like I'm not in the first line, like not in the first line, uh, to be taking it because I'm not like old, I'm not uh, sick. Um, so yeah, like uh, probably by the time that it would reach me, I think I'm afraid that it's gonna stop working or like at least like the um, the virus itself is gonna mutate so that the vaccine itself wouldn't apply to that particular strain. So it wouldn't make sense for me to take it at that point. So they probably have like another vaccine or something. Um, and I won't like uh, deliberately try to take it, or like so. I'm I'm not going to the doctor to demand <laughs> that they give it to me. Uh, but if if it's if it's going to 
like start if it's if it's required for me to like travel in the future or something then i may uh take it uh but i'll i'll wait i think it's all just a matter of waiting and seeing what's going to happen and how it's going to roll out in the future and in a in, I'm, I'm not going to have to worry about it at least until the next year, probably, because I think uh, I won't, I won't be, I won't have to think about it this year so far. So I'll do it then. <laughs> I'll do it next year. Uh, what foods do you recommend to eat on a daily basis? Um, yeah, well, some of the foods that you may or should eat on a daily basis would be, uh, yeah, like the, that's what what we're gonna be talking about also in the mineral fix. Um, quite a lot of how do you cover your all the essential minerals with diet and what kind of foods you do it. Uh, what I do on a, what I eat on a daily basis, what I try to aim for would be like maybe uh, a few eggs because of uh, eggs are a great source of protein or also healthy fats and all the other or like most of the other nutrients that you get from it also like choline uh, for um, preventing fatty liver so i try to eat a few eggs for that uh, in addition to that i'll also um, eat some vegetables or like fermented vegetables maybe some kimchi or sauerkraut um, then i also eat like one to two brazil nuts a day which is uh, good for selenium and yeah, you only need like a few, one to two or three or something uh, for getting all the selenium you need from, for, for, for your day. And um, next to that, maybe, you know, liver is good to eat on a regular basis, but I don't think that you should eat liver every day. Uh, you may want to eat liver, if you do it like maybe two to three ounces at once, then you would want to eat liver maybe two to three times per week. Um, but you don't want to be doing it every day because um, there's too much copper in there if you're eating it every day but if you're eating it only a few times a week then it's uh, good and uh, some uh, some iodine source on a daily basis would be yeah like some uh, sea vegetables or uh, like some fish something on that Okay, so I will actually be past the one hour mark, so uh, I'll do the giveaway uh, right now, but I'll have to think about what kind of a question we'll ask. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Hmm. Um, I'll have to think about <laughs> what kind of a question um something uh, related to the book or something related to okay uh, yeah what um what kind of a university no that is not because it's a conflictive question how many podcast episodes have I released how many podcast ep podcast episodes um, has the CML podcast basically released it's an easy question and yeah if you have the correct answer then just or 
if you want to guess, then uh, put it in the chat. So the first one to get it right is gonna get a free copy, free copy of the book. 108, uh, which is uh, not correct. <laughs> 173, no. 120, no. 186, no. These are not... It was actually on the website that you could have seen when I was doing the presentations of it was on on the website. 19, no. Uh, 1010, no. 218, no. Kind of close, but no. 453, no. 178, no. 237, no. 226, Harout. Harout got it first. Verium Velo was also 226, but it was a uh, one millisecond late <laughs> compared to Harout. Um, so Harout, congratulations. You got it, 226. And the last one was uh, with uh, Dr. James. So seamland.com. Forward slash 226 was the last one. And uh, yeah, Harot, if you... Um, you can try to message me on Instagram. I'll definitely uh, uh, look out for that. And uh, if you just you know send me your uh, shipping address and things, then I'll send a copy of Metabolic Atavachi to you. And uh, yeah, in the meanwhile... I hope you enjoyed the uh, presentation that I did, or just the talk <laughs> narration over the... Uh, the uh, concepts of metabolic autophagy, and yeah, if you haven't gotten it already, then uh, what are you waiting for? <laughs> it's been two years, <laughs> but yeah, all right, okay, and and yeah, thanks if you already got it, that's uh, good to hear.